0: Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. William Carey once said, Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And we, as God's family, today are gathered together as family. I'm Pastor Dean Ross. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to Family Church. I'd like to invite you also to turn to the book of Ephesians. Uh, We are in our sermon series called Together as Family. And if you're new with us, like Pastor Mike mentioned at the very beginning, we are a church that loves God passionately and loves people personally. And we are so glad that you're here. We invite you to hear from Jesus. We also invite you As you listen today, at the very end of our gathering, we are going to take communion together, and so we invite you to to prepare your hearts during this time to hear God's Word, to apply God's Word, and to commit yourself to God's Word. So with that being said, let's open up God's Word together and unpack our big idea from our sermon series today, which is called, This is Growth and, and here's our big idea, Christ helps us grow. Christ helps us grow. So let's read, we're gonna read a little bit. Pause, read a little bit more. Pause, read a little bit more. So here we go, Ephesians chapter four, verse seven through 10. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says when he ascended on high, he took captives captive, And he gave gifts to people. But when he ascended, what does it mean that except said that he descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. Our first point this morning is this. We are gifted. We are gifted. If you're here today and you're a part of God's family, you are not useless. You have been gifted on purpose for a purpose, to be used for Jesus in the expansion of his good news. You know, for good news to be good, it's got to go to bad places. And so the reason it's not just news, it's good news is because it's invading something bad. And so we see here in the first verse this morning that he has given to each of us a a grace according to the measure of his gift. Now grace here. Uh, that's mentioned. It's not talking about grace in the form of salvation. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. No, the grace being told uh, here is 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 the spiritual gifts that God has given to the church. In fact, you don't deserve to be gifted this way, but God, because of his goodness, has shown us grace. God has gifted us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit empowers us. His Holy Spirit fills us. His Holy Spirit helps us to be poured out to a world desperately in need of God's love. And so we see Paul has actually, actually in Ephesians 3, he talks about God's grace that was given to me for you talking about the Gentiles. And so Paul received the grace of God and and was mysteriously used for his glory and fame. And if you're here today and you're hearing the words of Jesus in his word today, you can be graced in such a way as well. What Paul does is he talks about how God gives us different measures of grace. And we see Romans chapter 12, verse 3 and 5. You'll see it up on the screen. For by grace was given to me, I tell each among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed the same phraseology here, a measure of faith to each one. Now, as many parts of one body, all the parts don't have the same function, in the same way, we who are one body in Christ are individually members of one another. Paul continues to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God, who works all in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing To each person as he wills, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts." You see, God gives us gifts and God empowers his people and he empowers us differently so that we, through our unity, can grow up into him who is love. God is love and God has called us to not only love him but to love other people. We mirror his image as we talked about last week. So we see that we are gifted so that we can help build one another up. Paul writes about that uh, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he's saying that we shouldn't uh, say that certain spiritual gifts aren't valid, but we should be using these gifts properly in order so that we can build up the body of Christ. In fact, we shouldn't forbid the Holy Spirit working in and through people because God gives his Holy Spirit to us so that we can be poured out for him to build other people up for his glory and His fame. Now, scripture talks in the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, 1 Peter. We see many lists of spiritual gifts. In fact, there's probably, depending upon the list, 19 to 23 or so. Spiritual gifts listed in scripture, but they aren't exhaustive, right? God gives his people in many different ways. In fact, musicianship is not even in the Bible, but we see that musicianship has been used this morning to help us in worship, right? God gives people in many different ways. Some of the gifts mentioned in scripture are prophecy, teaching, encouragement, serving, leading, giving, mercy, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, miracles, healing, tongues, interpretation, faith, apostolic, evangelism, shepherding, pastoring. And you might say, Well, I don't do I don't do those things. Well God has gifted you in some way. God has gifted you in some way, and the authority to gift you lies in his power. And that's where this week is a little bit different than last week, because this whole passage talks about how unity causes us to grow up and to grow in love with God and amongst one another. But now Paul is applying last week's unity and saying, this is how we apply the unity. We have been given a grace. Now that grace should be used To build up one another and to further the mission of the church. And so, Paul here he quotes. Psalm 68, 18, and if you're, I know Todd just started seminary, if you're in a, a, a theological class or you're uh, talking uh, and maybe in a big time Bible study talking about tough issues in the Bible, well, one of the ones that 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 will come to the forefront at one point is where did Jesus go on Saturday, right? We think about Good Friday, we think about Easter Sunday, where did he go at Saturday? And there's a debate in church history did he descend into hell or did, or is that figurative that he defeated death in the grave and he was at the right hand of the Father in that time? And I would say that the verse that Paul quotes here is sometimes what people get hung up on. Now Paul quotes uh, Psalm 68, 18. Let's read that again in verse, was that verse 8? Let's read verse 8 again. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives, captives, and he gave gifts to the people. What what does he ascended mean? Except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth. Now, interpreters have thought, okay, is this hell? Is this the coming of the Holy Spirit? Is this Jesus being born? Is this the incarnation? Jesus, what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus being born in a manger. The emphasis that Paul is is putting on here is not on the descent, but the ascent. Now, uh, what, what is happening in Psalm 68 is David has written a victory psalm and about a battle that he has won. And figuratively, he's saying God has fought the battle for him. And whenever you won a battle in that time, you brought the plunder of your victory with you. And in fact, you brought some enemy captors with you and you brought people that, maybe some of your people who have been held captive, you freed them and you brought them with you and you paraded it in front of the people. Now what Paul is saying here, using the psalm, is that Jesus has won the victory. He's won the victory of the cross. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And now the Holy Spirit has descended on the people. And the Holy Spirit is here and he has gifted you. And you know what? You were once held captive by sin, but you have been freed. And now you're being paraded as a victory anthem of the King of Kings. You are gifted. You are gifted. Let's continue to read uh, verse 11 through 13 of chapter 4. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with stature measured by Christ's fullness. We are gifted and we are equipped. We are equipped to use our gifts For the glory of God. The reason you come here on Sundays is not so that I, me, Mike, or whoever's preaching can have eloquent words and you can say, good sermon, Pastor. No, the reason we are poured out is so that we can hear from God's word to be equipped to go and do the greater things that He desires for us as His people. We live in a city that, uh, in Kenner alone, probably about 60,000 people in just our little nook of New Orleans don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and aren't regularly involved in some sort of church. And you know what? We are one of the more church communities in all of greater New Orleans. That tells us that there are a lot of people that we love that are on a pathway to hell. Right? They're on a highway to hell, and, and we are there. We have... Our job is to tell them about the good things that God has done for us. So we come to the church. We come and gather with God's people. We hear Preaching, we sing songs so that we can be united in one love for God and one love for one another so that we can be sent out on the mission that He's called us to. The reason uh, Mike's going to talk about our Sunday morning group that's going to start here in a few weeks, the reason why we have Bible study on Sunday mornings, the reason why we gather in community group during the week is so that we can be equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. He's given us apostles, He's given us prophets, He's given us evangelists, He's given us us shepherds. He's given us teachers and all of these gifts that God has given us through leaders is so that we can be built up to be poured out for the glory and fame of Jesus. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 13 verse 7, remember your leaders who spoke God's word to you as you carefully consider the outcome, observe the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. And I would tell you, I'm not perfect. So if you mirror everything that that Dean Ross does, you're not going to always bring glory to God for everything. But I would hope that the, that the summary of my life would be that you would look at me, that you would look at Mike, that you would look at our wives, you would look at our families, you would look at Todd, you would look at Reese, and you would be, you would see people that are in love with Jesus, people that we want to imitate. It's not about just following me for my ego because it's not about me. You know what? I don't have a deanross.com. I don't think Mike has a mikefarley.com either. I'm not saying that's evil. We don't have ministries that are named after ourselves. We want to bring glory to God and we want to see you equipped to do greater things than even we can do that's the message of scripture. The same spirit empowers his people so that we can be built up and we can be sent out. And we, we do this so that we will grow in what the scripture says here, the knowledge of God's son. And this word here in the Greek, epinissos, for knowledge, doesn't mean just knowledge that you know. It means knowledge that you apply, wow. knowing Christ, not just knowing about him, but knowing him. I want to open you up to something that's rampant in our world today. I heard Todd mention it a few weeks ago in a message that, or maybe it was Mike, I can't remember in a message they were given, but one of the, the most rampant religion in, in, that's invaded the church nowadays is something that we call moralistic therapeutic deism. Now that's a big word, moralistic therapeutic deism, and maybe you've never heard that before. But once I describe it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. See, moralistic therapeutic deism believes that there's a God and believes that God is is at work. But moralistic therapeutic deism ultimately believes that God's ultimate purpose for us and the ultimate purpose of Scripture is that we we be good, nice, and fair to one another and that we be successful in our lives. The goal of all of life is to be happy and whole. You see that God isn't necessarily needed in our lives until we actually call upon Him and we need him. He's an observing God, but he doesn't want all of us. He just wants us we just want Him when we need Him. And moralistic the therapeutic deism says, "You know what? Good people go to hell. I mean, good people go to heaven. We know good people go to hell, right? Good people go to heaven. And the ultimate purpose of the Bible is just that we would be successful and we'd be whole. The Bible becomes all about us. Church becomes all about us and my needs. Have we, if you've been to church long enough or you turn on TV, have you not heard some of these messages before? In fact, there are many people on uh, tele- television, preachers who will never talk about sin. Because the moment they talk about sin, the audiences click off. Maybe you've heard Seven Steps to a Better You or these types of sermons. I'm not saying that Scripture isn't here to encourage us. I'm not saying that we even don't find things in Scripture to help us with our finances and to help us with our relationships. But the ultimate goal of Scripture and the ultimate goal of God's activity here on earth, I hate to break it to you, is not You. It's his glory and it's his fame. Yeah. And we will resign ourselves to the fact that he is God. We have the opportunity to grow. And we have the opportunity to grow up. To grow up past ourselves and our desires, but to grow into a greater knowledge of who he is. Let's finish this passage Ephesians chapter 4, 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the ways, blown all round by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. If, if you don't see this, if, if you're on Facebook or social media in any regard, you see people are all the times trying to figure out their meaning for life. Do y'all have friends like that that try to post things and say, what is, you know, uh, I don't understand. Don't Muslims, Jews, and Christians, we all worship the same God? God's loving. How can a loving God send people to hell? People are always trying to process these things with answers Outside of themselves. So we're told not to be, no longer be little children that are tossed to and fro. But what does it say? But speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. That's the call of the church. Speaking the truth in love. And you know, if you love someone, you will not shrink back from what Jesus says about himself in the book of John. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He said it. I don't have to say it. He said it. The Bible's not about me. It's about him and his glory. And But what are we supposed to, supposed to do? Rather, speaking the truth in love, let us grow up into every way into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building itself up. By the proper working of each individual part. We are gifted. We are equipped. We are matured. God wants us to grow up. We are matured. In his spirit, we can mature into who he's called us to be. We're not supposed to be little children anymore. That doesn't mean physical age. That means spiritual age. What it means is stop being immature. Stop Living uh, on on what Paul, what, actually, I don't Paul, it's in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says is, is, is milk, you know? Stop just living on milk. No, feast on meat. God wants us to feast on his word. We are called to grow up. We read our Bibles. We pray. We share our faith. Ask yourself that every day. My childhood pastor used to ask that question all the time. Have you read your Bible today? Have you prayed? Have you shared your faith? You see, you can't earn God's love by doing these things, but if you love God, you desire to do these things. Read, pray, share, grow into who he's called you to be, and and, and who he's called you to be is a person of truth that stands up for truth so that the world can grow into truth. We are to speak the truth and love. We provide guidance with understanding and gentleness. Our church should be a safe place for people that have questions. Maybe they have questions about sexuality. Maybe they have questions about finances. Maybe they have questions about the Trinity. Maybe they have questions about the end times. All these things that we're all concerned about. And you know what? We don't judge people for the observations or maybe the conclusions that they made coming in. In fact, rather speak the truth in love, right? We, uh, if there's anything that I say today, if there's anything that we sing today, if there's anything that we remember today that contradicts what God says in his word, then you know what? Ignore it. Because I'm not your savior. He is. And you know what? I think I'm right about a lot of things. Right, Todd? Right, Mike? Like, right, like I think I'm right about a lot of things. But I'm really wrong. Because there's only one that's right. Yeah. And he's the author of the book that you hold in your hands. If you don't have a Bible, know this. We have a whole stack of Bibles there in the back. Brother Andre, point to him, right? Look behind you. Point. Like, Andre's like, All right, what do you, what? there we go. Andre, Andre's like our Vanna White, right? You know, like he's telling us, uh, he doesn't have a dress on, that'd be weird. You know, but he's telling us that God's word is available to you. If you don't have a copy of God's word, we wanna give you a copy of God's word. Take one home with you. You know what? We'll tithe more, we'll buy more Bibles. We want you to be in God's word because we want you to grow up. We want you to grow into every way. And you know what? The thing about growing up in Jesus is that you have never, arrived. We are all constantly being chipped away and growing into who he is. Max Sanders writes, you'll see this quote on the screen, immature people often fall into one of two opposite categories. They speak the truth, but without love. Do y'all know anybody like this? They speak the truth, but without love. You know what? We see it on Bourbon Street here in our city all the time. People come in with the bullhorns and say, you know, All these things that, honestly, the message is true. Some of it, you know? God doesn't want the sinful activities to happen. But there's a way that you say it. What did Jesus do? Yes, he had moments where he tossed tables and he stood up for truth. But what did he ultimately do? He laid down his life for people. And that's what God calls us to do. So two opposite errors. We speak the truth, but without love. Or we love without speaking the truth. One's called fundamentalism, one's called liberalism. And God calls us to live as his body, as a spirit-filled body in this happy medium. And that's why we need the church. We need the church to make sure that we don't fall or, fu- or function in one of those two extremes. Neither extreme brings glory to God. Once we once we chip away at different parts of, we were talking about this in community group this past week, once we chip away at different parts of what God says in his word so that we can be more popular with the people who we are are ministering to, we lose the essence of what God has called us to, which is truth. Because here's what God has called us to in scripture. God has called us to abandon everything. You may have your own concept of politics. You have, may have your own concept of sexuality. God calls you to lay it all down, to lay it all down for him. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 says, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense. This is uh, Todd's scripture for the year for youth, Right? to give a defense, apologia, to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. But then it goes on, it says, yet do this with gentleness and with reverence, keeping a clear conscience. The book of Proverbs, written by the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon. It says, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Have y'all not seen that before? A gentle word Turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. I'm prone to harsh words. I don't know about you. I'm prone to harsh words, you know? A gentle answer turns away wrath. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. The mouth of the wise makes knowledge attractive. I want to ask you this today. Are you confident enough in your walk with Jesus? Are you filled enough by his Holy Spirit to be a wise person that speaks correct knowledge? I'd ask you today to submit yourself to his power. The the scripture says that if we who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you read the book of Acts, Same guys, Peter, James, John, all those guys. Peter, who actually denied Jesus, ran away. Peter's filled with power because the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter four, verse 32. It's either 31 or 32. Read your Bible. It says that they prayed and the room in which they were gathered together was shaken and they continued to speak the words of God with boldness. Boldness in speaking truth doesn't come naturally. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit's power in us. And we have to pray for it. We have to live for it. We have to submit ourselves to it. Verse 16. From him, the last verse, from him talking about Jesus, the whole body, the the word here for soma is a living organism. The whole body, talking about the church, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for itself by building itself up in love. Love God passionately, love people personally, and when we properly function, we grow. That's what scripture says, healthy things grow. And God has called us to expand. God has called us to tell the world about him. And that's our commission. That's our call. We've been reading this awesome book together as a staff called The Gospel by Ray Ortland. And Ray mentioned in one of the chapters I was reading this week, he says, The gospel, talking about the good news of Jesus, doesn't hang in midair, as some sort of abstraction. It's not just some sort of theory. The gospel creates something new in our world today. Focus on this. True beauty makes people stop and stare. Now, is there something different about our church? I, I, and I will say yes, because I've heard it all over the city. Y'all know we have a councilman named Dominic Impostato. uh, And I ran into him recently at Home Depot because I've been at Home Depot a lot lately. I think Mike's seen me there a few times. We've all been at Home Depot a lot lately. But I ran into Councilman Impostato and he was like, y'all just keep up the great work at Family Church. I see what y'all are doing every time I pass. It's not just talking about the food that we that we gave out, but the activity of God's people alive in this place. I would encourage you that an unbelieving world, and I'm not saying he's an unbeliever, but what I'm saying is an unbelieving world takes notice of the love that we have. An unbelieving world takes notice of something that's new here. True beauty makes you stop and stare. Is there something in your life that would cause someone to stop and stare at what Christ has done in you or what Christ is doing in you? It is in our churches that the gospel, the good news, is field-tested for real life. And this is true. The only answer to one culture is another culture. So God has called us out of a culture of self into a culture of self-sacrifice. God has called us out of a culture of sin into a culture of love and life. What culture are you, are you displaying in the world each and every day? Is it a culture of self-help? Is it a culture of your own pursuits? Or is it a culture of laying your life down for the one who laid his life down for you? You know what? Christ helps us grow, and he wants us to join in that mission. So I'd invite you today to join the family. We're called Family Church. It's not a cult. It's it's scripture. God says that we are family, whether you're red, yellow, brown, black, or white. We are precious in His sight. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're male or female, God has brought us together through the blood of Jesus. You hang them around me long enough, and you will know that you're different than me. I root for the right football team, the New Orleans Saints. Andre Roots for the wrong one, the Atlanta Falcons, right? But what brings us together is not our sports team. It's our love for Jesus. There's something different in this place. There's something different in these people. And I want to invite you to be a part of the family of God. Scripture says that we love one another with brotherly affection. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. That word there in the Greek literally means it's a combination of philia or Philadelphia, right? Brotherly love or storge, which means familial love. We are literally spiritual family. God has brought us together as the church and what unites us is Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon Jesus. He forgives your sins. I don't forgive your sins. Don't call upon the name of our city. Don't call upon your own name. Don't call upon anything else. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. That is not condemnation. That is good news. He is made away, and He made away on the cross. He took the wrath that sin deserved. He took the hurt, the pain. He wiped it all away. Scripture says, "We're going to look at Revelation and after Mardi Gras together as a church family." And the Book of Revelation ends in chapter twenty-one, saying that I, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be hurting. But He will make everything new. And in Christ, he has taken out all of that. He's taken out hurt. He's taken out pain. He He's now given us new life in him. And I would invite you today to surrender everything to Jesus. And if you surrendered everything to Jesus, I would invite you, Scripture says in Matthew 5, verses 13, 14, and 16, you are the salt of the earth. Something about salt, if you've ever had to call it, cut salt or, or sugar or anything out of your diet. You know, things don't taste as good when they're not there. Too much of it can kill you, but you know, things don't taste good if they're not there. We are the salt of the earth. There's something that stands out about us. There's something preserving in the message that we give. We are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. We remember after the storm, we lost electricity. But what does a little light do in darkness? It lights up the place. And we are the light of the world. The world is dark, but we are the light. And we shine our light before others so that they see our good works and they give glory not to us, but to our Father who's in heaven. I'd like to invite you today to join that mission, join the mission of Jesus. Love him passionately. Love other people personally. And the only way... That's possible is by us submitting to the Holy Spirit, filling us, using us and helping us to be poured out for God's glory and his fame. Let's pray and let's respond together joyfully today as the church